Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for joining our podcast, Succeeding in Small Town America, hosted by me, Timothy Peterkin. In this podcast, we spend time exploring and talking with entrepreneurs who have found success in small town America, hoping to remind you that you are the success. It doesn't matter where you are, the success lies within you. So today we're excited to have a guest with us. Welcome to Terry Jones. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us. Well, I appreciate you having me. So I know you have a lot of great things going on, and I guess we'll just pick and choose which ones we get started to talk about. So you are an entrepreneur, right? Yes, I am. Um, talk to us, if you don't mind, about the journey from you at one time had a a nine to five job and then you took a leap of faith and became an entrepreneur. I love to kind of get some background information and appreciate how you were able to decide when it was time to do that. OK, Um. well, I worked in daycare for 24 years. I was the director, teacher among um, many other things as well. Um, I also, in those 24 years, I also had other jobs as well. I always worked two jobs trying to take care of um, my kids. So I was a shelter coordinator at our local domestic violence shelter for seven years. Um, I experienced a lot of things dealing with that, you know, seeing a lot of heartache, a lot of heartbreak, children being shuffled from home to home, and then going into the daycare setting where some of those children were, were clients there as well. And being able to nurture them and show them a different way was really important for me. So after many years of doing that, I saw there was a different need here as well. So I transitioned after 24 years of working um, in daycare and other things. It's mental health as well. I did mental health for a while. Um I knew that there were families here that were low income that were struggling struggling to obtain um, vehicles, transportation. Ch uh, children need ways to doctor appointments. They need ways to make sure they get to school. You know, mm -hmm. just for basic needs, parents need to be able to provide for their families. And living in a small community, you definitely need a vehicle. So I, I prayed really hard. You know, I talked to God about it. And I promised if he allowed me to be able to venture out to open my own used car lot, that at least once a year I would give a vehicle back to a needy family. Um, no strings attached, just that I knew that they were really in need of that vehicle. And so um, I started applying for grants and different things of that nature. I went to the bank and applied for a loan. I got denied. <laughs> and so it kind of like bothered me that I got denied. So then I started spending many hours researching free grants on um, money that was accessible to entrepreneurs, females for one. There, believe it or not, there's money that's allocated for females, you know, you know, different minority groups. You know, it's a lot of money that's accessible. You just have to go find it. So I applied for a grant. And I got approved for it. So I had the money in the bank um, for probably four or five months prior to me quitting my job because it didn't seem real that I had got this money. And I was afraid and I didn't know what to do with it. So mm -hmm. I still maintained my job where I was working 12 hours a day. And I watched everybody around me growing. 
and I wasn't. And then um, after 24 years of being dedicated to this job and to the owner, I started being disrespected by the new employees coming in. And it made it harder every day for me to get up and do a job that I really loved. And so it started affecting me mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so I went to the owner and I told her I wasn't happy anymore and that um, I was tired of being talked to like I was beneath people that came in with no education. I have five more classes and I have my bachelor's degree. And I had ladies coming in that didn't even have a high school diploma that would talk to me like, you know, they they were a little more educated than I was or that they knew the job better than I did that I had gave my heart and soul to. Yeah, but and that so was it, that was for motivation though. Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> that was it, that was to give you that little kick in the butt, or you would have been another was. another fifteen years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed about it and and what I felt that I, you know, because people say God spoke to me. He didn't speak to me, but I felt like he put it in my heart that I would have never left if he didn't make it uncomfortable for me. So mm-hmm. he made a job that I, I love dearly, something that, that was hard for me to do. And so that was my motivation to leave. And so I went and I talked to my boss about it and I told her that I was planning on leaving, you know, and that I would help get someone in and train them to make sure that when I left, there was no disruption in her, her business. I wanted to make sure it functioned just as well with me, not there as it did with me there. So I I stepped out and I rented a building and I looked for buildings and looked for buildings for, for a few months before I found one. And um, a lot of people. Hang on one second. If you don't mind, I want to step back um, because I want to make sure we're, we're, Hearing the process. So mm-hmm. I, I tell me, I'm thinking about a person who is like, oh, there's grant money out there. Mm-hmm. So um, was it just Googling and researching it, or did you have some additional ways that you were able to figure out how to get the grants? Um, I, I said, and I, I Googled a lot of things. And then here in Lumberton, if you go over to the local library, there's a lady that works in there. If you sit down with her, she will help assist you in finding grant money as well. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's just you have to reach out to different avenues. So I looked at the it was North Carolina Grants dot dot com. I think that's what it was dot com. And I looked on them and I started an account with them and I started looking through the grants that were eligible for our area. And there's a lot of grants for different things, especially with us being a rural area. They have a lot of like farming grants. They have a lot of grants like in that area. So it was really hard to find one specific to use car sales. Let me ask you this, um, Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking again, I, I, so you've gotten to a place in your journey and I just know that there are people who are listening who are like, like, it's sometimes we're just who we are and we don't uh-huh. notice like, oh, well, yeah, I remember being intimidated by that. So I'm just thinking, um, talk to us about the first time you sat down to type up a grant and how you felt about it and how you figured out how to actually word it and provide the documentation. Because a lot of people think that's overwhelming. Um, well, I did. I definitely did because, you know, I've never been a straight A student in school. So um, 
writing was definitely a challenge for me to make sure that I said exactly what I needed it to say to be approved. So what I did, I pulled up examples of mm -hmm. grants that were um, already written that, that was in the area that I was applying for. I also went and reached out to um, a friend of mine named Veronica Lucas. She's from Red Springs as well. And she writes grants for people as well. I spoke with her and another young lady named Luciana Yarborough. She's from Red Springs as well. And, you know, I spoke with them and asked for insight on how to word things. And I, I sent my grant up to Luciana and had her to reread re, re it and correct anything that she felt like that wasn't, you know, articulated as proper as it needed to be. So she she took and she actually looked through everything and, you know, we collaborated back and forth. And so I sent it up. Well, okay. the first time I sent it up, it was denied. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, I sat down some more, did a little bit more research on my own. I looked up grants that had been approved with the um, same criteria that I needed. So I kind of looked at what the way they specified things and I changed it up into what I needed it to be. So there's really good examples on the internet. Mm -hmm. You just have to, you just have to go in and critique it to be, you know, based on what your needs are. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. So when you got denied, why did you keep trying? What, what motivated you to realize that you could keep going until you got a yes instead of just giving up? Well, I, I kind of got hit with another thing that um, you know about um, my home that I live in. I've owned this home since 2004. It's paid for in 2004. Well, I made a bad investment when it comes to my home. And I, I tied it up with some legal matters. And they were threatening to foreclose on my home. And when I went to the bank to apply for the money to pay what I needed to pay off to, to clear the deed to my home on um, the bank denied me because my debt to income ratio was, was not where it needed to be. So based on what I made on the daycare, I couldn't get funded to pay off this debt. So I was like, I got to do something because my mother passed away when I was a teenager and I was in the 10th grade in school. And I knew what it was like to be thrown from home to home and be put in environments that was not safe, especially for a, a young teenage girl. And so I'd always promised myself that I would never allow my children to worry about where they would lay their head at. So mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I can't, you know, I can't get a loan to save my home. So let me see if I can find a grant that will fund a business that will allow me to make the money to save my home. So mm -hmm. it, it come down to, I got to do this not only for me, but for my children. And I, I I couldn't go to them and tell them, hey, the house that you've lived in for 20 odd years, you know, might not be our home anymore, not because of me selling it, but because of me making a bad business decision and losing it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that was that was the motivation. Isn't it interesting, though, that it's adversity that often pushes us to our destiny? Isn't that interesting? That's like the second yeah. time you were telling a story in which something had to happen to kind of push mm -hmm. you into your destiny. Exactly. Because we become complacent and um, mm -hmm. we we get accustomed to this is how we're living. This is what's working. 
I'm not going to do anything more than that. And, you know, we just, we go through life just surviving. And when you live in a small town, it, a lot of people just live surviving. They don't see, you know, there's another way, you know, cause I was raised in textiles growing up, you know, so I watched my family members, you know, go to these plants and, and work all these hours and come home. And education was not a very big thing in our home. We were not pushed to graduate from high school. My mom had five kids and I, I quit school in, in the 10th grade. So having education wasn't important. It was like, go to school. I didn't get my GED until I was 27. And then I started college at 29. So, you know, education was not important until I was put into position to maintain the jobs that I had, that I had to do what I needed to do. So it's, we, we, we live in, I want to say survival mode a lot in small towns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I follow that. So you got turned down a few times. You mm-hmm. then got approved for your grant. And mm-hmm. and then how did you, well, we didn't actually talk about how you chose used car sales as your business. So how did, where did that come from? Um, my brother was a mechanic growing up and he would take me outside because I was the baby out of five. And he was like, I'm going to teach you how to do some things so you won't have to depend on other people. Mm-hmm. He like because he said women usually get taken advantage of when it comes to cars because of the lack of knowledge. So he would teach me some things and he used to race cars at a drag strip down at 17. So I would go with him. And so watching him spend many hours working on vehicles along with holding down his regular job and the money that made him to be able to buy a home and different things like that. It made me love cars. And so then as I got older, I got into going to the car sales, the car shows. And back when I was a lot younger and stuff, you know, I was married at the time I'm divorced now. We, we would take cars to the car shows. We had speakers and rims and all that stuff way back then. And so the love of cars just grew. Mm-hmm. And okay. so it, it's just, you know, then I realized you could make some money, you know, based on, you know, that, that love for vehicles. So, and then the need, you know, I knew what it was like to be a single parent with children and needing a vehicle and not being able to afford one or, you know, buying one and it, it not being, you know, a safe vehicle. I remember buying a car from a local car dealer here that's still open, you know, when my son was probably, my baby boy was probably a year old and he was sick and I had to take him back and forth to Duke a lot. And I bought a car from the um, used car lot and I probably got two miles down the road and the motor blowed up in it. So I knew, you know, that that there was a need for someone to be upstanding in our community because I I wouldn't want to sell someone a car that I would not want my children to drive. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of, you know, a a whole lot of things that led up to it. So you were able to find a location and Mm -hmm. we didn't mention this earlier, but you are in a city now, um, which is Lumberton, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. the census in 2020 said Lumberton had 19,000 residents. And mm-hmm. so some people would want to know if I'm going to open up a car lot, why would I pick this location when 
a few miles down the road, um, you can get to a place that maybe has a hundred thousand people in it. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I chose Robinson County, well, Lumberton versus maybe um, Cumberland County is that there's a greater need here. In Cumberland County, there's car lots everywhere. So mm -hmm. there's a bigger selection there, which we have quite a few car lots here as well. But you have to look at the area that you're um, you're going to kind of cater to. So where I chose is on the south side of Lumberton, and it's um, – it's, it's considered, you know, a poorer side of town, which I live on this side of town as well. So I wanted to bring something affordable to the area that I live in. Um, I see a lot of people that are walking here. I see a lot of families that that need transportation. And the, the car lots that's been here a lot longer than I have, their down payments are two and $3,000 down. Then you got three or four, you got like $400 car payments a month. I wanted to be able to provide decent and reliable transportation for people that maybe all they had was $3,000 that they could afford to even pay for a car because they couldn't afford a car payment. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring something that could cater to people in their price range, along with making the area that I live in a little better and bringing more jobs into this area. Okay, good. And so how do you, how do you market your business? Um, right now, I use social media, Facebook, TikTok, things of that nature. Um, I'm actually looking for someone to help me create a web page for my car lot at this time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that way, inventory, everybody will be able to see it. It'll be more transparent, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I also have a few friends that I've met through the course of doing this that they sell cars as well. So they also, if they have um, clientele that comes in that they can't, they don't have a specific price range for their clients, they will actually refer them over to me as well. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So we were talking about um, your marketing plan and you were saying that you're able to use social media to really get the word out which mm -hmm. is one of the benefits actually of being in a small town because you don't have that's less money as far as marketing budget is concerned right right mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's right now is what i use word of mouth you know mm -hmm. and believe it or not word of mouth does just as well in a small town as um social media does because you do have some people that that just don't do social media they don't have facebook and things of that nature but they have their cousin that said hey i bought a dependable car you need to go check them out you know mm -hmm. or you have older people that don't know how to um work social media so, you know, and you want to make sure if you get somebody's grandmother in or, you know, elderly person in, you want to make sure that you're letting them leave with a decent vehicle because you never want to see someone older sitting beside the road. We live in times now where it's not dangerous for anyone, but especially our elderly people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And strategically, though, also mm -hmm. the fact that you put your location in an area probably that has traditionally been underserved, that would help mm -hmm. too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, actually where I'm located at, I'm right across the street from a, a housing area that's called Moore Plaza, and it's for disabled individuals. And then across on the other side of the street is actually our, um, 
it's it's considered a flea market. It's an open flea market. And so a lot of people come through that flea market on Saturdays. So they get to see the signs and the cars and things of that nature. So it's it's actually in a really good location. Mm-hmm. And I think that um my my timing of opening really worked out really well too because the city decided to demolish a major um bridge here in Lumberton that that had to detour the traffic. So now all the traffic that was turning to go down 5th Street and 2nd Street is actually detoured and they go directly in front of my business now. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So two more things to wrap up. One, I want to think about, because I'm still thinking about that person who um, is in your position, but they haven't gotten to where you've gotten yet. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us something that you, that you wish you would have known before you started this journey that you can share as advice to someone else. To not be afraid of the possibilities. Okay. Um, a lot of times we are afraid of the possibilities and it's a hindrance because we, well, a lot of times we go to thinking that it's not going to work. If we retrain our thought process into what if it does instead of what if it doesn't, um, it doesn't take a lot of money to, to do this. You actually can, you can start selling cars for yourself without a deal or license to see if it's something you're interested in. Um, as long as you don't sell more than five vehicles a year. You can go to the public dealer auction, and I would advise anybody that's going to do it to take a mechanic or someone that has some knowledge of vehicles with you and go to the, the public auction. And um, you sometimes you can get cars there as cheap as maybe $1,000, but they might need some work. Um, it just kind of depends on what kind of money you have set aside and you could do that throughout the year as long as in a 12 month span you don't sell more than five cars and after time you could save up some money and then move toward obtaining your own dealer license Mm -hmm. okay so i i like that i definitely like the idea of trying something out before Mm -hmm. you go all in so that makes a lot of sense appreciate that Mm -hmm. So we have a listener who's looking to buy a vehicle in and around Lumberton, North Carolina. And of course, you know, people travel to get the vehicle that they want. So they can they can come to you. So how do we look you up? How do we find you Um, on Facebook? My name is Terry N. Jones. Um, It's also under Nicole's Auto Sale LLC. Um, The number is 910-740-9332. that, and the address is 407 North Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, Lumberton, North Carolina. And zip code is 28358. Okay. Oh, we want to know where you are on TikTok. <laughs> oh, on TikTok, it's Nicole's Auto Sale as well. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us. And I do hope someone who's listening will feel inspired um, because. It's a journey that, as you said, we can all engage in. We just have to be able to do the due diligence. Um, I often Mm -hmm. talk about this idea that we all walk around with a $1,000 phone in our hands, right? Mm -hmm. And 
use it for more than just social media is really good. So I appreciate that you were able to do that. And it really changed the trajectory of your life. You now have a business to pass down to your children. Um, and so, but it's because you used your phone for more than just entertainment. And I don't know if we all think about that. You and I probably remember the Encyclopedia Britannica. And Absolutely. so the, the fact that people um, nowadays have an actual device in the palm of their hand that gives them access to all the information that they want. I mean, that's just a big deal. And so I, I appreciate that you were able to explain how you were able to locate funding. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing with us. Um, so for our listeners, um, please feel free to join us in our Facebook group, which is Succeeding in Small Town America. Also, feel free to in get more of our podcast on our website at timothypeterkin.com. And once again, thank you all for joining us. Thank you.